This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello and welcome back after the bank holiday weekend. It's Tuesday the 30th of August. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. Coming up for you, staggering figures reveal the pressure on GP services in Kent. And a transgender woman tells us about her terrible experience with conversion therapy. But first, the owner of an independent shop in Ashford Town Centre says they're not planning to move despite plans for a huge hotel opposite. A row of six shops is being knocked down to make way for the new building, which will have 92 bedrooms, a bar, restaurant and spa. Our reporter Leanne's been chatting to Jim Symes, who runs Ashford Sewing Centre. He's had a lot of confusion from customers. Basically, it's a lot of people are coming, although the, uh, it's, it's been approved, a lot of people are saying, is this the building where they are building the hotel? And it's not. It is opposite where they are building the hotel. Um, we have just spent over 40000 just to get this into approved up to a 2022 standard. Um, and we've got a lot of machines coming in and a lot of haberdashery. So we are staying here. As we are uh, very few and far between now, um, Ashford has got one type of shop where a lot of places have not got this type of shop, i.e. Canterbury and so on. So here we are specialised and we get people far and wide and abroad ring us up for parts etc and also for servicing where they send their machines to us because we specialised and get it all done for them. So you know we need to have um, you know, some verification really to, to say that we, you know, are not being knocked down and taken over. Um, as we've been here the 45 years in here, um, it's, uh, you know, we are basically the foundations and we are staying here. They'll be ringing up and asking us, uh, are we going, you know, is that right, you're, you're, you're being knocked down? Um, it is not here, it is opposite where we are, uh, which is going to be the old Argos building uh, and the shops further down towards Marks and Spencers, the old Marks and Spencers. So that is where they are knocking down or taking out and building the hotel. This is why we just want to very make sure that people understand we are not moving. Uh, we have been to Ashford for all these amount of years and we are still staying. And what do you think of the development in itself? Well, it's like everywhere else. They're building houses, they're building hotels. Um, they need people, you know, places to stay. Um, but the town centre is not like the town centre as it was. Um, but because we specialise, people come to us. So it's, it's, that is why... Um, you know, we, we are staying here and we do bring a lot of people into Ashford. Um, but then they've got outlets and this is where a lot of people are going. Um, but uh, as a town centre, um, no, it has gone right down, really, to be honest. Um, but we, we try to improve by keeping as we are. We are one of the oldest uh, businesses, small businesses, left in Ashford, to be honest with you. And do you think a hotel is what Ashford needs? <sighs> 
difficult question. I mean, there's hotels, there's, there's building everywhere. Um, you know, what can you say, what can you stop? Uh, we really need all small businesses, etc., to come in. But how it is now, um, progress, what is progress? Mm. We'd be in spaceships soon, you know, going round. Uh, so, you know, it, it, that is progress, I'm afraid, you know. It's sad, but, uh, you know, all the buildings are going and the shops are going. But we are still here. Kent Online reports. There's been more disruption for families trying to get a ferry from Calais to Dover. Some have reported delays of up to three hours at British passport control. Channel routes are much busier than normal as we approach the end of the summer holidays. A sitting bull man who launched an unprovoked attack on a teenager has avoided being sent straight to jail. The victim was left with multiple fractures on his face and needed surgery after being punched in the street. 29-year-old Daniel Godden from Orchard View in Tenham has been given a suspended sentence and ordered to do 180 hours of unpaid work. New data shows Kent has the worst GP-to-patient ratio in the country. There are just 38 family doctors for every 100,000 people, which is well below the national average of 60. We're told those that are retiring aren't being replaced quickly enough, and newly trained GPs are choosing to work in London instead. It's feared the increased pressure on services could compromise patient well-being and lead to unsustainable working hours. Medway GP Dr Julian Spinks has been looking at some potential solutions though. Kent is a lovely place to live and so it's sad that we have difficulty getting GPs to come here. Um, We need to start to tackle the the big waiting lists because also one of the reasons they don't come is that they if work here they're going to face trying to look after more patients than some other parts of the country Um, and that's a bit of a vicious circle because obviously the more people leave or don't recruit the more difficult that situation becomes so we need to find packages that make it more attractive to come in perhaps some portfolio careers where gps can be doing general practice part of the time and doing other things the rest of the time because these days working full-time as a gp is a soulless task we uh, aren't able to provide the care we want to and sooner or later people do burn out a typical gp day when i actually work in a practice starts before eight o'clock in the morning and go through at least till 6.30 in the evening, generally without a break. And uh, some days when we're doing extended hours, it goes later through till eight o'clock in the evening. And I have colleagues who are working two or three hours at home after that to try and complete paperwork. So it's an incredibly long day. And it means that uh, supposed part-time GPs who are working three days a week are doing longer hours than a typical working week in the UK. Um, And it's something you can maintain for some time, but ultimately you start to burn out. You cannot continue at that pace and provide good quality of care. But GPs are desperate to provide as good a care as we can, but we don't have the numbers and we do not have the premises and the funding to actually be able to meet the demand that the public deserves. We need to actually take some of the pressure off by employing other types of staff, nurses, paramedics, pharmacists, and so on, so that we can spread the workload around. And that can actually improve some care because when it comes down to it, when it comes to prescribing, uh, often a pharmacist can be as good as a GP in deciding what's the best thing for you. Kent Online reports. On to some other news now. And the Met Police has given compensation to the partner of a Kent man who was murdered by serial killer Stephen 
Lincoln Port. 21-year-old Daniel Whitworth from Gravesend was one of four victims who were drugged and attacked. The families of two others have also got a payout after failings were identified in the way police investigated their deaths. A row's broken out over plans to open a new skate park in Canterbury. It's understood a section of Tannery Field could be transformed as part of the Canterbury's Tales of England project. But the Friends of Westgate Parks group are worried it could lead to an accident and put people off visiting. A Chatham woman who underwent transgender conversion therapy says it's ruined her life. The process, which aims to stop people from transitioning, still hasn't been made illegal. Sophia's been chatting to Shay Coffey, who was just 15 when she started having the treatment. I don't think personally um, even our own community necessarily understands conversion therapy. It's something that has been around for a very, very long time. But as with anything that's around for a long time, it morphs and it changes. And while the original idea was electric shock therapy and things like that, what we now have is something where we are taking some of the most vulnerable youths in society, and not just trans, but we are subjecting them to not exactly sleep deprivation, but limited amounts of sleep and limited amounts of food. And these things go on in places that are sometimes under your nose. Uh, by organisations that don't know any better. It's not the main religious groups, it's fringe elements and it's cultural elements that are, are doing these things. And most people, if it's hidden in the shadows, don't understand it. They don't understand conversion therapy in its modern form. So for someone that might not understand, what, what does it entail? I know um, you yourself have, have been through it. What does it sort of entail and could you sort of um, explain your experience to me as well? Yeah, for me it started in 1989 um, and uh, I came out as trans and that wasn't understood at all back then and so what was heard was gay. Um, and after uh, speaking with the local priest, because I came from quite a religious family, uh, I was taken along to um, fortnightly what they call retreats. Now that was in the charismatic community rather than the, the Catholic, um, Catholic community. Um, what happens then is that you are put in an environment that you don't control. And as a 15 year old child, that is sometimes scary because you actually believe that at 15, that adults know better, they are going to look after you. And when you slowly be denied all the sleep you could need and some of the food you need and you're put into an environment with people who think differently to you. They are already down the journey. So you are being coerced by your peers to fit in. Um, and it leaves you questioning things that you thought you understood. And being gay or being trans is something that you understand at a very young age and you then start to question yourself and everything about it, and you start to question everything about yourself. And it's really, really important that people understand that we are putting youths and young people in the hands of people who don't understand conversion therapy themselves, but are attempting it. And you yourself, you went through it for quite a few years. I mean, it must have been so scary. We were 15 when it started? I was 15 when it started. Uh, I. I bombed out of school because um, essentially I was having problems. I, I no longer. I was already struggling to fit in, and that all made it worse. 
Um, the, looking back now, the amazing thing is I dropped out of school, I bombed out, I became a kitchen porter, and at 17, I was still taking myself now, fortnightly, to this location in South East London and putting myself in the hands because I'd been conditioned. And that's the thing that people don't realise, is it's slow and egregious and it creeps up on you. And you do become conditioned to this environment because you slowly don't know any better. And the fact that it's called therapy, it's all quite manipulative, isn't it? And as you say then, it almost feels like um, you're getting help, but actually that's not the case and they're not, they're not trying to help you. I mean, what do you think of that? Um, we, we need to understand first and foremost that conversion therapy is not therapy. Um, lots of trans people have therapy. Therapy though is something that is open-ended, that someone who has qualifications in a subject and someone who is overlooked by a professional body will sit with you and talk to you and there are multiple outcomes. Therapy always has more than one outcome. It, whatever you're having therapy for, the doors are open and it's your journey. Conversion therapy has one single goal, and that is the conversion element of it. They are going to convert you to something you're not. And what we need to realize is three facts, and they are really important facts. One, there is no set of guidance. There is no clinical guidelines. There is no overarching body. There is nobody who oversees this. Two, anybody, anybody in the community, whether it's a religious community, an LGBT community, or a wider arching community can have a go. Any Yahoo can take up conversion therapy. And three, most importantly, it never, ever works. The government say they're continuing to look into the issue. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Now, if you've ever been house hunting in Kent, you might find this next story relatable. One of our reporters has been looking for a flat to rent in Canterbury and he's been telling us how hard it is. At Kent Online, you can see a picture of mould on the ceiling of one of the properties James was sent to. He also had to deal with estate agents cancelling viewings at the last minute as homes are getting snapped up so quickly. Well, this one might be a bit out of his price range. A Medway mansion has gone up for sale for the first time in 300 years. Upner Castle House dates back to the 1600s and has nine bedrooms and a swimming pool. It has a price tag of £2.25 million. We've got pictures on our website. And staying with property news, a derelict house in Whitstable has gone on the market for £775,000. At Kent Online you can see pictures of the detached property on Hamshades Lane, which has been empty for more than 25 years. It's overgrown at the moment, but could be knocked down to make way for several new homes. Market traders in and around Canterbury who are already feeling the impact of the cost of living crisis have been told they'll need to pay thousands in backdated rent. The City Council have failed to collect payments since March and have now hit traders with bills as high as £3,600. Retailers say they're spending sleepless nights worrying about their finances as they try to recover from the impact of Covid. Kim Foster's the owner of Copperfields, a cookware and homeware store in Whitstable. We're all massively concerned about the increase in energy costs. Our electricity account, we know that all those fixed until February next year, will probably go up from nearly 5,000 a year. And so we could end up going to nine to 10,000 a year. So, you know, there's a massive concern. 
um, in terms of costs. We've actually spent probably £3,000 changing all, all of our electric here, going to LED lighting and everything else to try and save money. Um, but I would honestly say every business has got to be majorly concerned about the increased cost in energy because that is going to go on top of the changes in business rates that are going to be affected from next year. So our business rates could easily double next year as well. So yeah, we're, we're massively concerned about it. Somewhere along the line, we've got to either make savings or you're going to have to increase costs. Now the problem we've had over the last year is we've had continual price increases on products, which we tried to absorb as much as possible. We can't absorb any more costs. Um, so, you know, what do you do? You, 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 you've only got so much budget. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, we have to look at the costs. Where can we cut costs? Um, you can only increase prices to a certain degree. Um, so yeah, it's a massive problem. And I think it's something that we're still working out how we're going to deal with it over the next 12 months. If the government don't support independent retail businesses, then there will be a lot of businesses that probably won't survive. Um, it's tough, it's not easy. You know, we've had COVID, we were closed for eight months. So we're still in a recovery period from that situation. Um, we expected that to probably take us two years to recover from that. We haven't yet fully recovered and now we're going to get hit with increased energy prices and we're getting hit with increased costs. So, big problem. You can't always pass it on to the customer because the customer's only got so much money. So, it's, uh, it's, it's you know, running a business is not easy. Uh, it, it's certainly not very easy at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, in, but I do think the government have got a They've either got to implement some help for businesses on energy. They've certainly got to look at business rates um, as to how they can reduce business rates, not increase business rates, um, because businesses will not survive. Kent Online reports. Animal conservationists in Kent are hoping to protect more endangered lions by building larger enclosures. The Big Cat Sanctuary in Smarden near Ashford's launched Project Lion, which will see improvements made to existing habitats and the creation of new spaces for Asiatic lions. There are just 600 left in the wild and they face threats from poachers. James Hannaway from the centre wants to stop them being hunted. Asiatic lions have a very tiny population left out in a small forest of Gur out in India. So so we're hoping to be part of that safety net for the species out in the wild, but also as part of the project that we're raising funds for um, is to donate money to active in situ partners that are working in conservation in India. A lot of the projects that we support out there in the wild work in this holistic way. They educate the guys that are living alongside the animals, but they also offer alternative livelihoods for people that are living alongside lions. So if you're a poacher and you're out there earning a living by you know, maybe hunting a lion out in the Serengeti, then hopefully we can change that person around to then become a ranger. They know exactly where all the lions are and what they're up to, but they're then protecting them as opposed to hunting them. The animals in captivity are also facing a threat from coronavirus. Bryony Smith's been telling us more. We know that cats can contract it. At the moment, it's thought to just have quite mild effects um, and symptoms like a slight cough, possibly going off their food, etc. And they seem to deal with it quite well. Um, but it is thought to be killing 
the snow leopards so we're being very very careful about them they're not in any public experiences anymore they have to be viewed from a bit further back a bit of showbiz now and Rolling Stones legend Ronnie Wood has been visiting Kent. He was on the beach in Dover to surprise his wife Sally after she completed a charity relay swim across the channel. The rock and roll star tested the temperature of the sea and posted a video on Instagram. I went down there. How the hell did you get in that water? It's not warm, I tell you. <laughs> He might not be taking on the challenge himself anytime soon, but Sally's team's managed to raise more than £23,000 for Aspire, which helps people with spinal injuries. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham's disappointing start to the League Two season has continued. They lost 1-0 to Carlisle United away from home at the weekend. Jules manager Neil Harris gave us his thoughts after the game. First half, better team. Scrappy first half. Um, we, we were the team that, that, that we lived in Carlisle to the one cross in the box. One cross in the box team as they get a free header. Could do better than the free header, but other than that, we've we given nothing away from home um, for 45 minutes. We went to really good areas and probably not used the ball well enough. Certainly didn't use our set, utilise our set plays as well as we should have done. Um, but we're the team in the ascendancy and, and we were the better team in the first half. We knew there'd be a reaction. Warn the players that they would come out because the fans got on their back at half-time. I knew there would be a, a response from them. And I just thought for 15 minutes, we just didn't live with their tempo. Um, and we have to be better as a group. We have to, you know, they, they play forward a bit quicker, run forward, a bit more aggressive against us. And we just have to deal with that situation with a bit better game management. Um, and then getting back into it, change it, put attacking players on and... That we try to get back in the game, we created two or three really good opportunities. Um, and again, that we just haven't been, we just you know, that killer touch, that moment of magic, uh, the luck, the set play, whatever it is, we've not materialized again. Um, then that it's time to start for me to start looking at uh, personnel selection wise, um, and, and making sure we've got more in product on the pitch. Not seen it back, so I need to see it again. Um, it, it, yeah, it's it's a soft goal in it, it's like, like, um, it comes down the right side, um, do we track a runner, do we give the ball away cheaply, um, I think there's a bit of everything involved, but what we don't do ultimately is we don't stop the ball going in the goal, that's, that's the job, you know, there's a defensive unit, goalkeeper, defenders, midfield players, we don't stop the ball going in the goal, the ball's trickled in the net, um, so I, I need to see it again to be critical, but um, I don't see us scoring a goal like that at the moment. They're next in action against Charlton in the EFL Trophy tomorrow night. And in tennis, Kent's Emma Raducanu faces a tough start to her US Open title defence later. She's taking on Elisa Cornet of France, who's been one of the most consistent players on the women's tour. The British number one from Orpington struggled to hit the heights of her shock win in New York last year, but the 19-year-old's content with how her season's going. I'm really happy with you know, what I've sort of done this year and how, how I've come out of certain situations. But, um, yeah, I've obviously got amazing memories in New York. It's, you know, got to be up there as one of my favourite tournaments. So um just happy to be back in the city as well. Her match is due to start at around midnight our time. That's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing at kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group.
with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.